0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Land Investing Online, where we teach students how to profitably buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. For more information, visit landinvestingonline.com to join our free Discord. Tons of successful investors in there. Come learn from the best. Again, guys, I'm Daniel Apke, joined by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Welcome back, Ron.
1: Hey, Dan. Good to be here.
0: Today we're gonna be talking about negotiating with sellers. This is also a hot topic. I know I say that pretty much every episode, but negotiating with sellers is something that takes a lot of time. I'm excited to hop into this. Um, We have a lot of experience with this. I think it can bring you guys really good value, whether you're land investors or just looking to negotiate better as entrepreneurs. But before we get started, let's get a question, go over one of our questions from one of our members over at Land Investing Online. They said, "I feel like so many properties I get back need to go through probate. Some good deals and some not so good deals. For these good deals, what do you guys typically do with these?" That's
1: a really good question. I think we've answered. I think we've had a similar question like this, but I like going over this again. Um, I think with Ashish, we might have talked about probate a little bit, um, but uh, that's the tax episode. I might have a different answer here. But as far as good properties that need to go through probate, one thing you need to know about probate, what it is, what probate is, it's when someone passed away that owns a piece of land in our case, um, and then their heirs need to gain rights to the land. They can't just sell it. In most states, you cannot just sell it because your mom owned a piece of land. Like It needs to go through probate and get it in your name or yours in your sibling's name. So that's what probate is in the simplest of terms. Uh, good good pieces of land i wouldn't suggest doing this your first deal or your second deal but good pieces of land there is value in waiting out the probate process helping them with it so if you have an attorney in the area that you've used before just for closings a lot of times they'll do probate as well so talk to them and uh, see the process see the cost in it and a lot of it, it's it's a time commitment and you just got to I think you need to take an account the time, the money, and uh, just just the quality of the deal. So if it's a really good deal, you can buy it for fifty, sell it for one hundred fifty thousand or something like that. Hundred percent, do the probate. If it's a simple probate, sometimes probates are more difficult. But it, it really is a deal to deal thing. I suggest not just throwing them in the trash, though. Really take a deep uh, look into it if the deal is good enough.
0: And what you can also do is kind of because it can be really um, costly and time consuming to do. And then a lot of times the sellers don't always stick with you or whatever the situation is. Um, So what you can do also is kind of refer them to an attorney and then just say, hey, we'll touch base in three, four months get the process started for them, and then call them in a few months and see how that probate process is going. Because it it depends state by state, obviously, and they can get very, very complex and pricey. It's attorney's time. They have to work and contact a lot of people. So it can be a lot of work, but like Ron said, the whole point of it is if it's a great deal, try to get through them somehow. Today's topic is negotiating with sellers. Um, Before we go into the specifics, let's talk about the type of calls we get back after sending our mail, right? So we send our mail, we price our mail, they get the offer letter offering the landowner, let's say $20,000 to buy their five acres of land. They get that they're interested or not interested. um, They call us, right? They call our number. So there's three types. I broke this down into three different types of um, potential sellers. There's the types where I wanna sell now for what you offered, right? So they're ready to go. They wanna sell now for what we offer, let's get the process started, get me my money. And then there's, I don't wanna sell and I'm I'm offended. Those are just as common as the first one I mentioned. Um, so those are the, the people who take pride in their land, they use it probably, whatever the case is, um, they, they're just offended you offered them so low typically. And then the third one, which we're gonna be talking about in today's episode is I wanna sell, but I want more money. And that's negotiation. So they wanna sell, Maybe they're in New York, the properties in Colorado, and they've never even been there. They wanna sell, but they know it's worth a little more, maybe, maybe they're just feeling it out, wanna see what they can get. Those are really the three types, the three main types of callers we get back. Would you agree? For sure.
1: I, mean, I there's, there's other things that happen happen obviously, but uh, yeah, those, those are the three main, most common by far. I, I would say 90 to 95% of our calls are one of the fall in one of those three categories.
0: Yeah. And I think when, when someone calls and wants more, so let's go into the negotiation stage. So maybe let's say I offered $20,000, they call back. And sometimes, so you really, I mean, this whole negotiation process is you got to feel the other person out and it takes time and experience and a lot of failures to do that. Um, But a lot of times they're just bluffing to see if they can get more. Um, And that's where you really have to feel them out to say, okay, are they desperate? I always ask that in my head, like, are they desperate? Do they want out of this property now? Because if you get a sense of desperation, they're just wanna see, maybe offer 20,000. They wanna see if they can get five more thousand dollars. Why not? I would do the same exact thing if I was in their position. But then you hold. You can hold your ground and you'll still get that for 20,000. So that's usually the first question I ask in my head is are they desperate? Do they want this money now? You know, what what's indicating, you know, how they're feeling? Maybe they're just feeling it out, seeing if they can get more, or maybe they're desperate. That's kind of how I go about it. That's my first question. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's really good. And there's, and Dana, Dana went over the three types of callers. There are types of callers in each category. Um, so in the negotiation phase, I kind of see three people like one person is asking for an outrageous amount of money. Typically, those deals don't happen. Sometimes they do if they have a really special piece of land that is worth a lot more than we what we offered. The other person like actually really wants five or seven thousand more dollars. Let's say like Daniel's uh, Daniel's scenario offered twenty, they want twenty five. Twenty five like, is their number; they're not going below it. We think it's worth forty five or fifty. Like that's probably still a good deal. Then the third person could be asking for the same thing. Maybe maybe we offered twenty and they're ask, asking for twenty two. They they're probably okay with twenty thousand. I Daniel and I typically like to give them a little bit of a win. I'm not going to just come up to their twenty two unless they are dead set on twenty two. If the deal uh, is okay at that number, I want to I want to get a win on my side and I want them to also feel like they won and negotiated up and got me five hundred more dollars or something like that. So a lot of times I think those three callers are very important. And you need to be able to identify which one of those they are. There are people that are, I guess you could even add a fourth one, Dan, of that just says, like, give me another offer. Like, give me a higher offer. And we don't offer. really mess with them a lot, to be honest. So I don't even keep them in this. But you need to really identify which one. Is this person dead set on 25000 And you can still negotiate a little bit, and they're going to tell you, like, no, 25000 is my number. Are they just trying to get a little more and get a win? Or are they just asking for an outrageous number? Is that is that is there anything else I'm missing with those?
0: Dan? No, I think that's good. Um, I have in here the the question you want to ask. So like breaking down the negotiation, Ron broke that down even further than I did. Um, so the first question you should ask is 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 it in reason? Just like Ron said, you offer twenty five they or twenty they want twenty five. Yes, that's within reason. We're selling that for forty five to fifty thousand or whatever it is. But if it's not in reason you offer 20,000, they want 80,000 and you know the area pretty well, you know, you priced pretty well, that's a waste of time. So if it's in reason, look at the property and and you can decide too, right? You don't want to waste too much time on, on um, these properties without, you know, without looking at them before, I think just briefing over if they're, if they're not within reason, you want to throw them out. Just give them your number, tell them 20,000 is the best we can do or give them 25 or whatever it is, and then walk away. Maybe they'll call you. Maybe they're just completely bluffing, but usually those people aren't bluffing. They're just, you know, throwing it out there. Um, so the options are kind of from there, like Ron said, you can hold your ground at 20,000. If they, if they want to, let's say they want 25. Let's go back to that scenario. You can hold your ground at 20,000, right? You can find a middle ground, like Ron said, give them a little win is how he put it. I like that. Um, so, so a lot of times these people calling, everyone has an ego, right? Maybe he just wants to prove to himself that he can negotiate. Let's see what we can get, right? A good old boy. Um, that's completely fine too. Um, so that's kind of finding a middle ground. And then the third option for that would be just going back up to their 25,000. Um, if they're dead set on that, some indication when when I would do that typically is if they have a comment, like I bought this in nineteen ninety. Nine for 24,000. I want a little bit more, something around that. A lot of times these people bought it for what we're buying it for 30 years ago, and they're like, I'm not losing money on this, period. Like, I'm not going below 25,000. That's what I paid for it. I'm not losing money. And that's sometimes when I'll go up because I understand that they're stuck on that number. Um, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, for sure. I, I don't think you just want to jump out of your seat and like, even if you know it's worth fifty five thousand, you do not want to jump out of your seat when they say twenty five thousand. Say yeah, that's fine. Um, we see this all the time, and this has been a hot topic because I see people lose deals when they just get too excited about it. Uh, you got to play a little bit with them. Like you cannot like maybe you say, "Can I do twenty four? We pay for all closing costs." Even if you end up coming to that twenty five. You do not want to act desperate with that. I think desperation in this and negotiation in general just comes off the wrong way and they might rethink it. And I've been talking a lot about member, to members about this, especially newer members who kind of are just getting their first calls. And they want every deal and they just want, like, if the price makes sense, like, yeah, we still want you to get the deal, but do it the right way. We have lost, personally, we have lost deals years ago when we did it like this and like the, the money makes sense at $25,000, let us just do it. And then they end up backing out, like negotiate a little bit, make them feel like they're getting a little bit of wind and go from there. Another thing I want to talk on is the outrageous ones. Like Daniel said, always get them a number. Also, if you Daniel said, if you know an area, if you do not know an area, don't just automatically assume that your pricing was on point. Go and actually look at their property on MapRite or whatever software you're using. And look at the comps and make sure like maybe that 80,000 is more reasonable than we realized. Maybe we can do 60,000 and meet somewhere away way higher. Like look at the comps and make sure they make sense. Maybe it's commercial property. Like don't just throw it away. I, Dan was using that term, which is fine. But Dan was also saying that do your due diligence on that property to make sure the deal doesn't make sense. And when I say due diligence, it's not calling the county and doing all this. Just look at the prices real fast.
0: Yeah, we've, we've had all those scenarios happen to us too. We've had where we offered extremely low and came up significantly because it had attributes or a pond or we priced the, the biggest thing is pricing the county correctly, right? If you underprice the county and you get some callers back who want to sell and you underpriced it a ton and you just didn't know what the real retail value was, you got to do that due diligence because you can get those properties at times. Sometimes it's not as far-fetched as you originally think. But- what you can also do is, um, if you're in one of these situations where they say they want twenty-seven thousand, you or twenty-five thousand, you offer twenty thousand. If you, the, I sometimes like to hold my ground um, because depending on how I feel about them, I sometimes like to hold my ground, and that way everything stays open, right? I don't close it out. And once you go to twenty-five, you can't go below twenty-five. But if I hold my ground, I can go, I can always go up to 25. So hold your ground, see how they react, feel it out a little bit. Maybe they say you're going to call it later or call back later or talk to their son or daughter or whatever it is. We get those a lot. But I think the biggest thing is just hearing their reaction, feeling it out, and maybe even ask them like, what number would get it done right now before I get off the phone to send in that purchase agreement? And you can even play it off like, listen, my, my um, pricing guy or my manager, whatever you want to do, won't let me go all the way up to your number. If you don't want to go up there and just be like, the best I can do is and give them a number and see, I like to close purchase agreements over the phone as soon as possible, because the more time you let go by, the less likely you are to get that purchase agreement.
1: Yep. I I agree. And, uh, that's what we teach our salesperson. to like, we need these purchase agreements fast. And we want to close these on the phone. Uh, One thing I want to say is make sure you're actually asking questions and listening to the seller. I think it's really important. Um, So when when you're purchasing real estate off the market, obviously you have these sellers call in who are interested, but you also want to ask them about their property, about what they've done with their property, show interest and build a little bit of a relationship because this is going to help your negotiation and make sending that purchase agreement so much easier for them. If you just build some kind of relationship where they can trust you a little more because it is a trust thing. They want to know that they're getting their money in whatever, two to three weeks or so. so. So build that relationship, ask questions, listen to what they're actually saying. And like Daniel said, it's, it's hard. It, it's so much feel when you're negotiating with them that it, it's hard to fully kind of explain how the process goes. So feel them out and it's got, it takes time. Like your first negotiation call is not going to go as planned or as we're saying right here but it takes practice and time and you'll kind of learn what works and what doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And not only asking questions, it does build relationships, but it also, you get to learn about the property. You get to learn about their situation. Like I said, um, some common questions I'd start right off the bat is asking questions like, what do you use the property for? Cause then they'll tell you, Oh, I haven't been to that property in 27 years. I live in New York or whatever the situation is. So you'll get to know their situation. And then you realize, okay, they're not using the property. It's, pretty much worthless to them right now. Um, You can ask them things like, even though you can see this online, like when did you buy it and what did you buy it for? And you can get it, like a lot of times people will say, oh, I bought it, I saw my dream house on that land, I just never got to it or whatever. It's filling all these gaps in, the more information you have as a salesperson, the more power you're gonna have. And I think getting those, asking as many questions as you can, one, they usually appreciate you actually taking the insight and listening. And, um, so it does build that relationship and two, you just get more and more information about the property and, and at your disposal. So then when you're negotiating, you can say things like, listen, you haven't been there in 27 years. I can get you your money in two weeks, um, and, and find a number from there. You know, you can use those type of things with them. Don't, don't expect
1: that they're going to want more money than what they paid for in 2000 or 1995, because we buy properties all the time. Like they are just trying to liquidate uh so so don't just say don't just realize that they bought it for something and then go up to that or go higher than that like you gotta like i said just listen to them and go from there it's don't be surprised at any price you get with these sellers they they, a lot of them just want to liquidate they don't want to pay taxes anymore the property like daniel said is pretty much worthless other than our offer they don't want to call realtors and do all that but uh, I, I think that's really good. I think that's really helpful. I, I like breaking that down, Dan, into those three negotiation topics. What do you kind of – so we said, or I said, the outrageous ones. We have the people that actually have a number they want to stick to, and then we have the people that are just trying to get a couple hundred more bucks. Like, What do you think a percentage of people within the negotiation part, like, of each one of those, if that makes sense? Like, what percent of the negotiation people are just asking for outrageous and the other two?
0: So what percentage of the negotiation are so
1: of, of people who are tr- calling in to negotiate? What percent of people like are just trying to get a couple more thousand dollars? What kind of what percent do you think? Or do you think it's 33 percent around Because I'm trying to think and like, I think the most outrageous, the outrageous ones are probably closer to 50 percent because they might not even have any interest, really. Right. Um, but what about those? Is that what you think?
0: Yeah, I think outrageous was probably 50. They just want to see what they can get. Hey, let's see if they can go up to a hundred grand. Um, I'd sell this. There's a number on everything like people say, right? So they'll throw their dream number out to get them out. I think that takes up the majority. Um, it's just, it's interesting. Like if it's just the whole question, if someone wants $25,000 and you offer $20,000, like it just has me, is that 5,000 really going to make a difference? It's just so hard to always tell, but I, I think, I think they're pretty much split in half. Like half those people will stay at, the 20,000 and they're asking for 25 and half of those will actually pretty much stick their ground. They're not going, taking a dime under. And you can get the feeling like we've done a lot of work in certain areas. These people call us and they're, they're like, I'm not taking a dime under 25,000 or whatever it is. If it's in the South or whatever. Um, And those are real calls. Like I I hear that guy in his voice. He's being honest with me. I know he's not going to take you like, you just really, this whole thing, read the book, I think it's called art in the, the negotiation or never split the difference those are two really good books i've read on negotiation um and it will help you a lot i think it you don't want to overthink, it, but at the same time there's a lot more on a phone call there's a lot more that goes into a phone call than you realize between the tone of your voice to how you're portraying it to the questions you're asking to how you're responding there's just so much that goes into it and it does, it takes a lot of time and, and experience, but it's, it's a fun thing to do because you're always learning. There's no perfect negotiator. So it's a really fun part of the business, I think. Yep,
1: uh, I agree. And, uh, there'll be times like, we'll still read it wrong. McDaniel will come and tell me like this person wants this, but I know I can get him at this and he'll just be dead wrong. He'll call them back and like, no, never mind. This person is sticking to this number. So even no matter how many times you do this, like you'll still read them wrong. And there's always a way to get out of the situation by getting to get the deal. But uh, I think that wraps it up then. I think that's pretty good. I think that's helpful.
0: I agree. So to wrap things up, the biggest thing is if you're close in numbers, Get the purchase agreement as soon as possible because that two $3,000 difference is not going to make a difference if you're selling for fifty grand. but not getting that purchase agreement and making that $27,000 profit will make a difference. So get the purchase agreement. Other than that, guys, I hope you enjoyed. Comment on our YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. I'd love to hear everyone else in the community, their negotiation tactics. But thank you guys for joining. Visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free Discord. Ron and I are involved. If you go to the Start Here page, we have a uh, consultation, a free 15-minute consultation with Ron or myself. Ask any questions if you're interested in becoming a member and just want some questions to go over. It's a free consultation. Go in there. Ask us anything you want related to investing. Thanks for joining, guys. See you next time.
1: Thanks, guys.